Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of Welcome back to the greatest show on earth. Once again, we are live with Talking Terror, that podcast that your mommies and daddies warned you about. As always, I am your pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to the show. Tonight, it will be the Mad Monkey season finale, as well as his film pick of the night, which is 1990s Flatliners, directed by Joel Schumacher. So before we get into all that, I'd like to introduce you to the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by the bold, the beautiful, when I bring him out, I call him Joker, Keith. <laughs> what is up, motherfuckers? What is going on? And how are you doing tonight, Ghoul, as we get into tonight's episode? I am, you know, just here, man. It's another day. It's been a, it's been a long and fucking difficult one today, but uh, I've, I've made it through, and, and I am here. I am here indeed. You are here. And if you want to see what he's talking about, ladies and gents, go to Instagram, instagram.com slash talking terror to find out exactly what kind of a day the ghoul had. I think it's going to be an interesting picture for you all. Uh, so we're not going to be joined by the doc tonight uh, as he is celebrating his return to school, but we are joined by the mad monkey. As I said, this is the season finale, so let's get out of his cage and give him a party. Hey there, right there. <laughs> Oh, thank you, everyone. This is your furry little horror host, broadcasting to you live via the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where I am joined by your favorite horror host, the Talking Terror Crew, a crew that week after week strives to provide you nothing but the best in horror movie fanboy entertainment. Isn't that right, fellas? <laughs> we do our best. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my, best doc- my best doctor impression. Yes. That was good. You're that correct. <laughs> Indeed. Hello. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can you repeat that? I uh, I have indeed watched the movie for this week. Thank you, yes. Doc. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. take five minutes to explain how I watched it. So, yeah. Yeah, he he's not able to make it tonight because uh, he's having a a dinner at Stately Wayne Manor, hosted by Bruce Wayne, where they're having a dinner in his honor for him returning to his teaching profession. Unfortunately, Joel Schumacher is directing this one, so it's either going to be George Clooney <laughs> there, there's going to be bat nipples involved. I, you know, it's going to be a weird night at Wayne Manor, but I hope the doc has a great time at his dinner. <laughs> it's going to be doc, nip, doc yeah. nipples, you know. <laughs> Got to watch out for them in 3D. But, yeah, Monkey, you're jumping right out of the gate talking a lot about Gotham tonight. And it's funny because Joker, the final trailer for Todd Phelps' movie dropped. Uh, have you guys had a chance to watch it? Mm. Yes. <laughs> we did it. Okay, I did my homework. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this trailer? Uh, go, I'll let you go first uh, because I want to give my thoughts. But I want to hear what you guys have to think. 
I mean, I enjoyed the trailer. I think it, you know, it's giving us just a touch more than what we've seen in the other trailers. Um, it's not like the things that have come out previously. I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm not going to see this movie. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. see it. I've been wanting to see it since it was announced, you know. So oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mucky, you did your homework. You saw it. What did you think? <laughs> I also find it interesting, like that their DC is willing to go in this direction with their stuff now, and they're going into, into kind of a more of a smaller film indie kind of feel, if you will, while still trying to provide stories, and definitely seems like definitely trying to veer away from the Marvel aspect of movie making and definitely trying to make a movie of their own. Mm-hmm. And because uh, like you had said about Gotham and, and the doc and having uh, dinner at the Wittstein, uh, you know, Wayne Manor. What I thought was interesting is that Todd Phillips said that this is not going to be a Joker origin movie as we know the Joker. It's its own thing, even though it does take place in Gotham and Thomas Wayne is in the movie. But it's not going to be the typical Joker that we know. It's going to be its own thing. And I think that's what's so interesting about it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Is Oh, go ahead, cool. No, you go, man. You were starting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I agree that it's definitely them trying to make their own aspect. We're definitely not going back to the Acme Chemical Company or anything like that. We're having a, a brand new origin that seems to be you know, tapping a little bit into the Killing Joke origin, just a wee bit, if, you know, I'm willing to go that far. What do you guys think? I would say Dark Knight Returns as well. Frank Miller's comic. Okay. Yeah, I, I think or- that, uh, I think that they're, okay, you sit there and you say, okay, they're not, they're not going to take the same pages out of Marvel. They're not. But in a way, they kind of are, if you really think about it. Marvel's cinematic universe, right? That universe exists outside of the comic book universe. It's just a whole other universe. So other films have tried to be their own little thing, um, you know, to build up to the whole DC universe. They were constantly robbing stories from the comics and then just badly adapting them. Maybe the idea here is to actually craft a non-comic book-based Joker. Let's just yeah. make a Joker film. Let's just make, you know, films using these characters, but making them their own thing. You know, and that's it. And like I said from the start, if eventually they figure out some way to make all of that tie together or have some kind of, you know, group up of some sort, then fantastic. And if it doesn't happen, that's okay, too. Make quality films using these awesome characters that you guys have. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, the whole debate of who is the best Joker, whether it was Nicholson or Ledger or, or not really Leto. I don't want to put him in the conversation. Uh, but it, it's Joaquin Phoenix playing a character that, yeah, it's not to the type that we know of the Joker. And I think that's why it's so great to see him as Arthur Fleck, this guy who's just run down and having one of those bad days where he's mentally unhinged. And it looks like in the trailer to me, it looks like he starts like a revolution in Gotham, you know, where one person's holding up a sign saying we are all clowns. They're wearing the mask of his makeup. So it looks like he's going to be setting a charge. Uh, in 1980s Gotham City against the rich elite. That's just my perspective. I don't know if you guys think the same thing, but that's the way it looks like. What do you think? Which is some of the theories. It's some of the theories I've heard 
is that essentially you might be able to kind of take this Joker and say he's the one that kind of starts it, and you can still connect this to the DCEU with Leto's Joker being somebody that was like, you know, inspired by or a part of it. It's almost like the Joker moniker gets passed on to different people. Mm -hmm. Um, It may not even be necessarily that one Joker has to die for another one to take his place, but, you know, that could even be inferred in a way, you know, like maybe it's kind of like a a progression type of deal where some guy has to take over for another. I have heard that. I have heard that. It could be a different one. Go ahead, Monkey. Or or if we sit there and tap into Jared Leto's Joker, would it even be a thing where it's passed on and maybe not exactly passed on, but maybe taken from the previous person? Because if we look at Jared Leto's Joker – Maybe he was an underling working for another Joker, and as this batshit crazy as he is in these recent DC movies, maybe one day he just sits there and loses his shit, caps off Joker, and takes over the role. Very well a possibility. It is. I mean, I do like that theory. I know I've heard that bandied about, that, especially because of the way that they have his makeup in the movie. Yes, he has the green hair, but the makeup scheme is different. It's not just the, the red lips. Now it's, you know, adding red, uh, blue triangles to the makeup to make it a little bit different. You know, so it's a, a different kind of aspect. Um, and the, the whole Dark Knight Returns theory is because he's being invited onto the Murray show, which is played by Robert De Niro. And he says, uh, when you bring me out, just introduce me as the Joker, because there is a scene in that comic book where he gasses an entire TV audience. Once he gets out, yeah, that, that was yeah, that was when he was on late night with David Letterman, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and mm. Doctor Ruth was on there at the same time. I remember, I remember <laughs> that scene. Un sex, un sex, un sex, un sex, un sex. I think it's going to be a great movie. Um, I just, I love his laugh, and I think it's so different. Than the other incarnation. I hope I never hear that impression from you again, monkey man. That's like a fucking that's a total yeah. like boner killer right there, dude. <laughs> it's bad, it's bad enough picturing Doctor Ruth saying it, but picturing you as Doctor Ruth saying it is like a whole other yeah. level of fucking boner kill, man. Oh, dude, that's well, totally my Halloween costume now. this year. That, that's my Halloween costume this year. I've already picked that shit out, man. Oh, oh, fantastic. The bad monkey is Dr. Ruth Westenheimer. <laughs> so now the dick is just for show now because it can't get a rise anymore. <laughs> After seeing a visual and hearing the impression. Just it. <laughs> just be prepared to hear from the ghoul girl, man, because you know her, dude. She, she won't be mad at you for this one. I'll be like, yo, it's all the monkey's fault. <laughs> he shouldn't have to do the Dr. Ruth thing I'm telling you I can't get it sure. I can't, I can't get, get it out of my head I can't stop hearing it <laughs> The fucking pictures monkey Why'd you take pictures of it Fuck yeah, <laughs> Why did you have to look so seductive in those pictures Not right Not human Me holding, me holding up a roll of stamps Talking about erections in the middle of the night Because you know that's what she does <laughs> you don't know what she needs to do in the middle of the night I think we're fine without knowing what she does in the middle of the night 
Um, but going away from uh, Joker, which uh, comes out, I believe, uh, in October, uh, casting news for Halloween Kills, Anthony Michael Hall has been cast as Tommy Doyle, the little boy who survived that night of terror for Michael Myers in 1978. Uh, I bannered about it with the doc who's not here, unfortunately, about that particular casting news. I'm not that excited about it only because of things that the ghoul had said that I kind of want to bring up in this little brief discussion about uh, Hall being Tommy Doyle. But first, uh, Monkey, what do you think about this? Because you didn't really have an opinion uh, when we were talking about it uh, on page. No, I I agree with what uh, you guys are getting ready to go into. I I think it's actually taking away from it. And why not recast the original character? Because in my opinion, Tommy Doyle is literally going to only show show up for five minutes maybe and be like, hey, Lori, you're not alone. I, you know, we all went through it. I'm here too. You know, I, I, I was there. We, we all went through it. And five minutes later, he's going to get killed by Michael Myers anyway. So I don't see who, why we, we really need to bring in, you know, a B-list actor like Anthony Michael Hall to take over this role. But King and Ghoul, I know you guys had way more details about this. So how about you guys talk about what happened to create this casting of Anthony Michael Hall in the role of Tommy Doyle? Yeah. Uh, Ghoul, why don't you take it off? Because I thought you brought up a lot of interesting points about uh, Hall being casted. That kind of resounded mine. So I'll try to add some of my stuff after you talk. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, actually, though, with what you just said, Monkey. It really made me think... Are they pulling a Drew Barrymore here from Scream? Are we busy, so busy wondering here about, oh, you know, Anthony Michael Hall cast as Tommy Doyle, this and that, but is he going to be dead within like five minutes of the movie? Um, I don't think so. I don't think you cast Anthony Michael Hall with the the intention of killing him that quickly, but we'll see. Um, You never know. I... You know, like I kind of said when we were chatting about it initially, if the actor that portrayed the character originally is still alive, which he is, and still working in the industry and willing and capable of performing this role, I don't see why you don't do it. I feel like bringing in somebody like Anthony Michael Hall, while fine, he may be a better actor or a better performer, is still Anthony Michael Hall. You know, I'm going to look at him and I'm never going to see Tommy Wallace. I'm going to see Anthony Michael Hall. I'm going to see Rusty fucking Griswold. You know, I'm going to, that, that's all I'm going to see. I'm not going to see him as, as this kid because that's not who he is. Um, especially knowing that, you know, Again, I'd almost prefer if they cast the kid from the uh, the most recent vacation movies, the oldest son uh, involved, because I feel like he was a better like look like he looked more like what Tommy Doyle would look like, except that kid's a little bit too young, I think. Um, I don't know, but that's just my opinion. And again, obviously, just like the last time with the movie, we'll see what they end up turning out. But you know, as, as it stands right now. <clears throat> But I was meh about these two coming out in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now King, King, did you say that they actually tried to reach the original actor at one point? No. No, they, they, they did for, uh, I believe it was Halloween 6. Back in the day, they tried to reach out to him to be Tommy Doyle before they got Paul well, they Rudd. Get, but because he didn't, I was going to say, and they tried yeah. to get Paul Rudd for this, but they couldn't because the yeah. scheduling didn't match up. 
because he's doing Ghostbusters right now, so this didn't match up. Um, but yeah, Brian Andrews, who played Tommy Doyle in the original, he didn't have an agent, so that's why they couldn't get him for Halloween 6. Uh, but again, I think that having Brian Andrews be Tommy Doyle again, it would make more sense. I mean, I know that the guy's not an actor. I mean, he did a couple things when he was a kid, and that was really about it. But I think that would be fan service in a way. I know that the doc was against fan service. He thought it was kind of silly to do that, to have Brian Andrews back. But when you think about it, they had Nick Castle come back for a 30-second cameo in Halloween 2018 to tilt his head. I mean, they are not about fan service. So I don't really understand why they have to go with such a name because, like the, the ghoul had said, it's kind of distracting. Maybe they are doing a Drew Barrymore. Maybe it's going to be the opening kill of Tommy Doyle, just like Drew Barrymore in Scream. I'd be happy with that because I don't want Anthony Michael Hall to be a distraction from the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, now, writing-wise, do you know if they're solid in their scripts yet at all? Or, like, you know, are they still trying to work out stuff? Because, you know, again, you know, what's with bringing Tommy Doyle back for this story? Well, they had talked about it when they released the first one back in 2018 that they had written treatments for sequels, that they were going to actually do back-to-back sequels. So they already had the material. They already had what they were going to do. So it's just a matter of filming it. What What are you talking about, man? Kenny fucking Powers, you know, Mr. McBride said, no, they're simply writing this film because this film is going to be the definitive sequel and end to Michael and Lori. You know, there was no sequels (laughs) going to be planned. We're going to make you guys the fucking sequel film that you have been waiting for for 30 fucking plus years. Except in (laughs) a little small print on the side there, we had something in there where, you know what, we're going to make more movies, and we're going to make more movies after these movies too, but don't tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because that brings up the next topic for Halloween which is John Carpenter giving an interview uh, with comicbook.com saying that, oh, yeah, well, if Halloween makes money, guarantee you that uh, he's not going anywhere. Michael Myers is here to stay. There's not going to be an end to Michael. There might be an end to the Rory Strode storyline, but Michael, as long as he makes bank, he's coming back. Like, no shit. Like, that's, that's literally, yeah, you cannot be any more accurate. Like, of course there's not going to be an end to Michael Myers. As long as people go to see those movies and make money. Well, how well, it, old? It, sorry. Go ahead. How 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 old? What? How? What were you saying, Ghoul? How old? No, no, no. I I can I can look it up while you're busy talking. So so go ahead. Go 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 go. go, go. <laughs> well, well, I was just gonna bring up here about with like you said, King, with the Michael Myers thing. Do you we've seen it where Laurie wasn't one hundred percent attached to all of the movies anyway. So <laughs> what? You know, if we possibly end up killing her off in two movies from now, you know, would we really, you know, I'm asking you as a Halloween fan, you know, do you think it could continue on solidly in a storyline-wise way without any attachments to Laurie? They've done it without her before. I know. If you want to think about four <laughs> or five, they've done it. You know, you can say what you but, want about six, but they can do it, and they make movies, yeah. they make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in four and five, didn't they still try to write her in, like, at least story-wise, like, to base the stories off of? Well, just the fact that Jimmy Lloyd was her daughter and that Laurie Strode was dead. And that was the whole thing about it, that Laurie Strode's dead. Now we're talking about Jamie. That's who the focus is going to be for these stories. And all all poor Jamie had was, you know, her press shots. Yeah, what's the press photos? (laughs) 
of Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween 1978. <laughs> you know, nothing else. And a picture of Michael in his uh, clown costume for some reason. That's just Uncle Mikey. Um, but, but, yeah, but, but that's it's just, but these but movies that, can go that, on. Yeah, that's what I was asking is because those movies still had ties to Laurie's character in some way. But what if we, you know, completely cut that out once she's dead? Would you think it could still success, be a successful franchise without any ties? We had no, but I don't know about that. I think ultimately the major draw is this, this whole family connection that we got in the original films, because once you eliminate that, once you eliminate that Mm. as Michael's motivation, you're left with Halloween resurrection. Okay. And I don't think anybody. Yes, but no, but 2018 still has the, the the Strode Myers connection. You know what I mean? Uh, they may not be family. Yeah. They may not be family anymore. But at least right. it's still the original characters and all of that. Once you eliminate that as a factor, though, like I said, we're going back to trick or treat, motherfucker territory. Ooh. And that I don't think <laughs> anybody wants to go anywhere near that ever again. I think they want to stay as far the fuck away from that kind of film as possible. Well, and my problem with Resurrection is that it was kind of like the Hellraiser sequels, that they basically just had a script, and how do we make money? Well, we'll put Penhead in it, and we'll release it on DVD, and people will watch it because it's Penhead. I felt like that was what Resurrection had. They had a script about people going into a spooky old house, and they were going to make a found footage style type movie. Well, how can we make this profitable? We'll put Michael Myers in there, and he'll be hunting down these people and killing them, and people are going to go see it. So I don't feel like it was a true Halloween sequel where somebody had it in mind to make Michael in Resurrection. I felt like it was a, a script that they had that they wanted to put a property in. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I wondered that like too. That. Yeah. It plays out like it's a script that Michael didn't even need to be in this movie. It could have been any kind of slasher in a house killing people that are videotaping themselves die. Michael just happens to be a name, so you're going to go see it because it's a Halloween title. So... That's the way I always felt about it. There wasn't any good writer making a connection to the series as a whole. And that's why that, I mean, that movie has a lot of problems, you know, not just Buster Rhymes aside, but, uh, you know, (laughs) but it's also like John Carpenter was saying in another interview when he said that he's going to be doing the score for both movies, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. He had said, well, that's why I love Jason Blum so much because he told me to get off my ass, stop bitching on the sidelines and, and get to it. And nobody's ever done that before. I was like, yeah, I have a problem, John, uh, if I could call you John. Uh, back in 1988, when they were making Halloween H2O, Jimmy Lee Curtis wanted you to come back and direct. You asked the Weinstein for $10 million. They're like, oh, fuck yourself. We're going away. And that project never got made. So to say that nobody's ever asked you to come back to the property, eh, yeah. I remember what happened back in 1998, John. We all remember. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so maybe Blum had the right price tag. I mean, I can't believe that, you know, Jason Blum with Blumhouse, but because of how explosive they are with their films, you probably could pay John Carpenter the price tag that he wants. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they worked out something. You know, he's, he's obviously going to get paid up front for whatever work that he's doing. He's going to be making money because he's on as a producer. You know he's gonna make he's gonna make money because the characters are his. Um, 
you know, Doing the, the score soundtrack. is his. He, everything, you know what I mean? This, every yeah. little thing that he's yeah. going to have tied in is going to add up as well. So I'm sure Blum, you know, might have threw in a bonus as far as like, hey, look, if the movie, you know, the movie makes a certain amount of money, here's a couple extra dollars, you know, or if it hits this fucking plateau, it, you know, here's another extra couple of dollars and so forth and so forth. Yeah, that's basically what I thought it was. I mean, they were just they were able to pay him what he needed. You know, I don't know how many how much money he's been making doing the score and, and promoting the movie, but obviously had to have been pretty good. Um, I know that the other casting news is that Jabrail Nantambu played the little kid in the movie that was, oh, everybody loved him. He's so funny and he's so hilarious and this great kid, great. They're bringing him back for Halloween Kills. I mean, that's, I don't need it because I thought that that kid was funny, but at the same time, I hated the way that he exited the movie. It just didn't feel like uh, a running, running and, running and screaming out of it? No, the whole <laughs> fact that he was like, oh, run, Dave, that motherfucker's going to kill you, Dave. Like, I don't know. Like, I, again, Tommy, uh, Tommy Doyle in the original with uh, Lindsay, I felt like their reactions were much more realistic to what a mm-hmm. kid would do when you have a gigantic guy with a knife and a mask on about to kill your babysitter. You just fucking run screaming out of the house. You don't make quips as you go by. Mm-hmm. Well, come on. Yeah. That's our that's our snack. That's our snarky African American gentleman right there. Okay, he's got to make quips as he goes by. He's speaking <laughs> for the entire you know African American audience that's watching the film. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I enjoyed him up until that point. Like I enjoyed his banter back and forth with the babysitter. I thought it was funny. You know, it was cool. Like he did that. You know, I mean, it was just fun. It's just until that ending when he ran out of that house. He had to make those little jokes as he's running by. You know, oh, man, Dave, you're going to get killed, man. Like, yeah, no, nah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I think that was more to do with his delivery than the intention of yeah. the lines. I yeah. think he was supposed to really be taken for literal. Like, dude, you're going to get killed, bro. But the way the kid's delivering it, that comes off as humorous, you know? Yeah, it does. absolutely. Um, so, uh, Shutter's Creep Show is going to be premiering on September 26th. And I'm bringing this up because I think you guys are going to like this. It's going to be six episodes, two stories apiece, so 12 tales in all. You cannot change this one. You can't. You can't watch it like Stranger Things. You can't. No. Oh, they're doing it too. They're getting on the bandwagon. I like it. I don't want to binge it. I, I'd rather you have to wait every week to see the new episode. I like this. And we talked about this in, on the group chat about how binging yes, kind of, you know, it's fine. But, no, I kind of like episodic. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sure when I'm dealing with the episodic, I'm going to wish that I could have binged it. But, you know, <laughs> as I've binged so many shows. Like uh, newer shows, like Stranger Things and stuff like that, obviously being the easiest example, um, you know, that the latest season, it was, you know, we finished it in less than 48 hours. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, Damn. And the, the problem with that <laughs> was that it was like, I don't know, like like you kind of said, King, you know, you don't get a chance, or Monkey, whichever one of you said, you know, you don't get a chance to really absorb anything that you watched as far as episode right. by episode progression. 
Um, but also I feel like it kind of takes away from the ability to kind of like conversate with people about it because everybody's at different points with it. You know, I watched it yeah. in 48 hours, you know, but I got friends that still haven't even finished it, you know, like they could be watching it you know, yeah. like week by week. You know, yeah. that's how they feel like doing yeah. it. And, and as great as that is, you know, I feel like binging is fantastic for older shows, but I think I yeah. kind of like the idea of some newer shows, and especially on these streaming sites, like Disney Plus is doing it, um, going week by week, because when you have X amount of shows supposed to be coming out over the course of a year, giving everybody the ability to watch the entire series as soon as it comes out... Now what do you do for the next three months between the next thing? <laughs> yeah, and and you do bring up a good point too, Ghoul, about you know the whole water cooler uh, conversation. Like you you said when we were talking earlier, is like because how many times were you told you can't talk about Game of Thrones because someone was not at that point yet? You know, and how many times were you you know yelled at? You know, no spo- no spoilers, no spoilers. Just like. <laughs> Not yes. as often because Game of Thrones was a week by week show. It wasn't something you could binge watch. So I didn't have to hear that all that much. Don't say anything. That would typically be like maybe the day or two days after the episode aired. But after that, you know, all bets were off because again, you know, you you know that pretty much everybody that watches the show watched the episode on Sunday or Monday. You know, at the latest, they watched it on Tuesday. Whereas, again, like I was saying with Stranger Things, it's like, okay, well, I watched six episodes this weekend, and I got another four to go next weekend. Oh, okay, great. Now i got to sit there and think through my head, what have you seen up to, you know, because I know that I'm further. (laughs) If I drop the wrong kind of information, I ruined it for you. So now you know what? I'm not going to fucking talk to you about it at all. Yeah, because yeah. King, didn't you burn through? Didn't you burn through Stranger Things like in three days? Because I know that's what the diva did. She she went a little bit longer and went three days and two days. Yeah, I did it. In oh yeah. Hours. Oh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I did half of it. I think Friday night, and then I did the other half on Saturday. I was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it dropped on Friday. I was done by Saturday night. <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those things. I didn't watch it all the way through, but yeah. I broke it up into two nights. So again, I yeah, it was fine, you know, because it's there. But at the same time, it's over now. <laughs> There's nothing left. You just have to wait. For I the barely next season, remember hopefully. the fucking season. Yeah, I don't. Perfectly honest much. with you, I barely fucking remember it, and I don't know if that's a testament to the quality of the season, or if it's the fact that one, I'm watching so much shit. And taking in so much of it so quickly that everything is more like it. It's almost like when you try to remember your past, when you try to remember something from like 20 years ago, you know, like you'll catch snippets and flashes of what it might have been, but you can't full recall the entire like event. And uh, that's kind of what it feels like when I'm trying to think back to that show right now. Yeah, I remember things I liked, like you said about memories. Like I remember things that I liked about it, but I don't remember the whole thing. I don't remember every episode. Mm-hmm. I just remember bits and pieces. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was great with Hopper. Yeah, cool. Like, you know, but I couldn't tell you about the, the episodes. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, know? it's like one big blur, which, I mean, fine. If it's, you know, supposed to be one big contiguous story, you know, I guess kind of like you would try to remember a movie. But at the same time, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird one, man. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what show I am enjoying lately, though. I have been enjoying the shit out of Westworld, man. What a fucking fantastic show. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a fan. I was glad that you finally got on board with Westworld. Because I know the monkey and I um, love the hell out of that show. So I'm only on episode you... three of season two. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I, I got into this, and the king and I were talking about, you know, immediately got sucked in with season one. It, season one does just such a great job with the story, and it does a great mind fuck with you. With season one, it does yes. a wonderful, wonderful mind fuck with you. <laughs> oh, William, dude, that was fantastic, man. I mean, what a way to bring it all the fuck around and turn it into that. That was like, holy shit. And now I knew they weren't going to be able to pull it off with season two, but in, like no. obviously because everybody everybody's looking for it. But you know what? Yeah. I noticed that they're doing. Season two is just so mu- – that's why I'm only two episodes in. It's so multi-layered that I'm, like, oh, sitting yeah. there constantly throughout every fucking episode, <laughs> pausing it, thinking about it. Me and the cool girl are talking about it. She doesn't think she likes this season, so she might not continue with the show at this point. But, like, I'm, like, all fucking ready to go. But you know what's going to happen is I'm going to be watching this by myself and pausing it and talking to myself and then looking things and saying, do I – should I look this up? No, I shouldn't look it up. You know what? I'm going to talk to somebody else about it after the episode hit play watch a little bit more then stop it again and talk about it again to myself <laughs> yeah it is it's so multifaceted the second season i love the fact that they did that they just didn't do a wash rinse repeat of this first season they go further into it and they develop more things more set pieces where you're like oh man <laughs> they're really enjoying and exploring it yeah uh season two does a really good job of like the king said of ex- exploring expanding the universe but it's while it doesn't have the same amount as mindfuck it it does start making you ask more and more questions and Mm -hmm. i i took it as you needed the questions that season two was gonna put to you so it can get you ready for the ride that season three is getting ready to provide Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, it may be what gets me back on HBO because I let HBO go. Um, no pun intended. I'm using HBO no. Go, but that's through a relative's uh, account. But I had HBO on my Hulu specifically for Game of Thrones. Continued it, even though I was really not watching anything on it until I caught Euphoria. And then finally, on a whim, I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to check out Westworld. Everybody's been talking about this. The show is, you know, going into its third season. Let's see what the fucking hype is about. And I've watched the first episode of that show, I don't know, maybe three times at this point. And this time it finally clicked. Like, I I made it past that first episode, and it was like, all right, now I'm all in. Let's do this. That's great. Yeah. I mean, HBO does have a couple of gems on there that I I still look out for. Um, I still haven't checked out Euphoria yet. Um, but I did recently watch Barry with uh, Bill Hader, and it's, it's such a weird, fucking quirky series about him playing a hitman that wants to be an actor. So it's not horror, it's not action, but it, it's it's pretty good. That's another one and I would so recommend you, if you check it out. And, you, and since, oh, sorry, cool. Go ahead. I, I was going to say what you're bringing up, Bill Hader. That goes into next week. We have it, tra- chapter two coming out. We do. We're finally going to return to Derry for a two-hour and 45-minute movie. I was going to say, all 18 <laughs> fucking hours of it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> we're game the 
Because I know that uh, Muschietti said that with the super cut that he wants to release, that's going to be, what, like eight hours, something like that, that he has things that he wants to film just for the super cut, like stuff that he hasn't even done yet that he just wants to do for the super cut. So this guy is clearly in the Derry Township and still wants to stay there, which I think is cool because I, I do like his vision. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to checking out uh, its Chapter 2 when it releases. I know that they're going to release it in IMAX as well, which I think is huge. For our film to be released in IMAX, I can't remember well, what kind of an experience that would be. Because IMAX is huge, literally. See, we're literally. all about the puns tonight. Yeah. We're all about the we puns. Are. You know, HBO million. Go on IMAX, it's huge. Wow! Talking terror, everybody. We are fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, man. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I gotta try to get my ticket. You know, I can order it through the A-list thing. I, I'm lacking this week. You know, I've only gotten to see one movie so far. Um, you know, last week I blew my entire I blew my entire load over the whole weekend. This week, you know, I just went and saw I saw Angel is Fallen on Monday. You know, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I swear to God, there's nothing funnier than watching Gerard Butler try to be an American man. It's so fucking great, you know, because like every now and again that Scottish accent's coming through, and then it's like, no, I'm Mike Bonin. I'm an American Secret Service agent. I've lived here my whole life, you know. <laughs> yeah, bro, no, dude. Dude, no. You're so oh, <laughs> nice um, surprise Nick Nolte appearance in that movie. Just saying. So okay. It, he I, he alone makes wow. watching this movie kind of fucking worth it. I wondered where Nick Nolte was too. Like, <laughs> actually, one thing I've Oh, day, we found him. You know. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's in uh, Angel Has <laughs> Fallen. Apparently, <laughs> he found himself again. Um, but while we're talking about movies that might make you go, what the fuck? Uh, one of them I wanted to talk about is a movie called Becky, uh, which is coming out, I believe, next year. Becky? Uh, originally, I'll play with you, Becky. This is actually a movie from a director named Lulu Wilson, who describes the movie as John Wick, but with a 14-year-old girl in the Keanu Reeves huh? role, uh, where it's like a, re- <laughs> a rebellious teen goes on vacation with her dad, and then a bunch of terrorists come in, and she has to fight them off. What was interesting is that Simon Pegg was going to play the main villain in the movie. He was going to play the one leading the charge into this home invasion, um, which I thought was great because I'm not used to seeing Simon Pegg as playing anything other than a good guy. So to see him as the villain, I was excited, but then he ended up backing out. So who took his place, you might ask? Kevin James. What? Kevin who? Kevin James from King of Queens and Paul Blart Malkoff is going to be playing the villain that is going to be leading this home invasion against the title character. They really had uh, a vision in their head, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it, so, Kevin Pegg, but yeah, Kevin James. All right. Okay. Uh, I I can see him doing a role of a bad guy. I, I, I can. can. I mean, uh, I, I can see it. Like, I, I can see him doing this. It's just you know, but, but it's like you go from Simon Pegg and then you shift gears and go to Kevin James. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously they wanted somebody. They wanted somebody who was not known for ever really being a bad guy to play the bad guy. 
And they were like, you know what? I got the perfect idea. This Simon Pegg. You know, he's been in some of the Marvel movies recently. He's been in this. He's been that. Oh, no. no I'm thinking fucking Martin Freeman. Wrong, wrong person. But, Simon Pegg. No. This is you, know, you never... You could could actually mix and match those two, man. Him and Martin Freeman, you could actually really swap them, and it would probably work. Um, But regardless, (laughs) lots of J.J. Abrams shit. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yes, you know, you you take Peg. He's not typically a villain in anything. Um, I think he was a bad guy in an episode of Doctor Who in like the. I don't know if it was the Eccleston season or if it was the first tenant season, but I do remember him being in an episode at that point. Um, Are you sure you're not thinking of, are you sure you're not thinking of the master, which looked an awful lot like Simon Pig? No, 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 no. I know that I, I know who the master is. That was uh, somebody else entirely. Um, no, Simon Pegg turned up in an episode. He was like, I want to say he was like a computer guy working for like the main villain, but he was like there as like the guy setting it up. It was that TV station that was like floating around oh. space that the doctor visited a couple times it's, over the course of like three okay. seasons. Yeah. Th- okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a tenant episode, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So, but uh, but yeah. So okay. So they couldn't get him, and they're like, you know what? I let's let's go American. Let's let's get that that. Fucking king was what was he the king? He wasn't the king of queens. Was Kevin James the queen king of queens? Which one was the yeah. king of queens? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He, <laughs> he, 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 he was the king of queens. That's how much I know Kevin Peppermint. James, dude. Okay, uh, I, know, I know his face, yeah. and that's about it. You know, I know he's in movies yeah. that are somewhat successful that I've never seen. Yeah. I know. He I mean, like the role of the president made back in the nineties, you would be like, and Chris Farley as your villain. Like, what? <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> hey, listen, Chris sure. Farley played a ninja. <laughs> from Beverly Hills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, it, it's such a weird one with, with Kevin James and then uh, Joel McHale recently joined the cast. So I'm like, all right, so you're definitely going with comedic actors for this movie. But I don't know. Like, I, as far as I know, I don't. I can't see Kevin James playing a villain. Like, he's too much of a slapstick comedy guy. I just, I, I don't know if I could see him pulling off a, a really kind of dark villain. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, you know, people said the same thing about Deadpool in Amityville, was that he wasn't going to be able to pull it off. And he didn't. <laughs> wasn't that oh. great? <laughs> I don't like that one. I mean, it's uh, yeah, a lot of problems. Wait, so, but wait, wait. So you're, 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 whoa, whoa, you're, you're admitting that you did, there is an Amityville project that you did not like? There's plenty of them that I don't really like, but I still uh, appreciate the series. Uh, I appreciate what they did. But it's a script problem. It's not a Ryan Reynolds problem. Mm-hmm. The fact that a lot of the things they had him do didn't work. Um, I don't blame him at uh, all. I think he really tried to do his best with what he was given. Like a lot of these movies that a lot of actors do, you're you're given a script and you just have to go with it. So yeah. It doesn't mean that it's a, a great one. Um, but yeah, I want to move away from from Becky to another one that's coming out next Valentine's Day, courtesy of Blumhouse. You guys remember Fantasy Island? Yeah. Yes. Ricardo oh, yeah. Montalban, Herve Villachez. Yeah, Blumhouse he is making a horror film based on Fantasy Island with Michael Pena, Lucy Hale, and Michael Rooker. What? Yeah. They're making a horror-inspired version of Fantasy Island, which is going to come out on Valentine's Day next year. Okay, so, so now it's the new thing to take – is this going to be the new thing of taking properties from the 70s and trying to t- turn family properties from the 70s into horror movies? Because we did it with the banana split, so now, yeah. now we're going to do a Fantasy Island. 
Yeah, we are moving on to Fantasy Island. Yeah. We're going to make a horror version okay. of Fantasy Island where it's going to be a survival type movie. So just, uh, I was like, I'm glad to see Michael Rooker again, but wow, Fantasy yeah. Island. Okay. I, I might, Rooker, not mind, uh, might not mind Hale. seeing that movie. Who else is in the movie? Lucy Hale and uh, Michael Pena so far have been announced, aside from Michael Rooker. Michael Pena is going to be the Ricardo mm-hmm. Montalban character. No, man. If you're going to sit there and bring back a Ricardo Montalban, they need to bring back Malcolm McDowell because he he was the – he he was the host of Fantasy Island when they tried to bring it back in the late nineties. I thought he yes, was fucking he was. awesome in that role. I thought he was awesome in that role and they need to bring him back for it. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't mind all that much. But really the only reason why I don't mind all that much is because I never mind looking at Lucy Hale. So I'll probably I'll probably watch the movie on mute. Um, <laughs> you know, because that works just as well. It's like Honey. Like whenever I watch Honey. Yeah, yeah. No, that was Jessica Alba and Honey. No, I know, but it's the same concept. I can watch that movie on me. Oh, okay. Watch it with, to watch it on with volume because I don't need to hear about, I don't need to hear the music in it. I definitely don't need to hear about her inner city kid problems. Um, or the fact that she wants to be a dancer and is getting sexually molested by whoever it is that's trying to hire her for his videos. I don't care about any of that. All I care about is watching Jessica Alba fucking gyrate all over that damn screen in all of those provocative outfits. That is why I watch yeah. <laughs> And I'm glad that you brought that up because great segue into one of the last ones I wanted to talk about. Uh, Devin Sawa, who is currently in The Fanatic with John Travolta, directed by Limp Bizkit's Snookie, Fred Durst. Um, he has been talking about how he would love to do an Idle Hands 2. He would love to go back to that sequel and do something else because of the first one, you know, while everybody loves it, it's a cult favorite, but it got released at the wrong time because after its release, shortly after that was the Columbine shootings, and that definitely had an effect on how well it did in the theaters. People really weren't wanting to see a horror film that had violence at a high school, which is what takes place in the finale, but what do you guys think? I think I would love to see an Idle Hands too, because I, I do have an appreciation for that film and Jessica Alba. Yeah, it throws me off that Jessica Alba signed on for this man, because it was, it's weird. You, you and I were literally just talking about this because I introduced my son to it over the weekend for the first time, and you were like, "It'd be great if they could get Jessica Alba in it," but we highly doubt that. And then this news pops up: Hey, guess what? <laughs> Yeah, I know that Devin Saw was in. I don't know if Jessica Alba would sign back on for it. I don't. I only know that Devin Saw said that he would do another one if they offered him the role. Yeah, well, it's saying here that I, I found a quick article talking about she's somehow possibly attached to this because it's Idle Hands to the Eye is what it's possibly called. Okay. <laughs> So they, uh, wouldn't it make more sense for that thing. to be idle hands, E-Y-E? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I love the pun tonight. I really do. Yeah, it's just all about it. <laughs> but, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's cool. What do you think yeah. about idle hands, too? I know I'd be on board, but what about you? Uh, all right. So, I mean, I guess to, I haven't seen idle hands. 
in quite a while. Um, easily, easily, you're talking about a decade, um, mm-hmm. maybe even fifteen to sixteen, seventeen. It could be. Oh, it could be almost. I might not have seen it since the fucking what it come out in ninety eight. Um, uh, yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. I might not have seen. Yeah. I might not have seen this. Since like 2000, 2001, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I went into that film expecting something that I was going to find funny, something I was going to find enjoyable. Uh, I remember getting really, really stoned to watch it because, you know, I knew it was like a stoner comedy type of deal. And then I saw the movie and I just... It just didn't, I didn't get it. It did not resonate with me at all. And it was one of those where I was kind of like just so disappointed and so dismayed with that film that if I went back, I've gone back like one time and like maybe I've got like a little bit more appreciation for it, but I still don't find it anywhere near as funny or as entertaining as everybody else that talks about it. So maybe one of these days I'll revisit it and see something different, but otherwise I don't care if there's a fucking sequel to it or not. Mm-hmm. I, I, to me, it's, it's one I've visited not recently, definitely not recently, but over the past couple of years I have, and it's, it's just a fun horror film. But it's a comedy. Um, it's got a great cast: Seth Green, Eldon Henson, Vivica Fox. Like you know, it's got a great cast, and you know, it's got a great sense of humor for itself. Um, but a sequel, I'd be on for. I, I think it would be a lot of fun. But would the audience be there for it? Because to me, I think that will be like a directed DVD. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that will be there. Yeah. Well, also that the the humor that's in Idle Hands, you know, and that's in a lot of the comedies that were around that, you know, late '90s, early 2K feel, you know, like American Pie, that kind of stuff. Do you really see those kind of movies being made anymore, and getting the bank that they're getting? I mean, aside from the Hangover movies. Is, is anyone else really able, able to tap into that vein of just, you know, d- dirty humor and still be able to make bank off of it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Good, I mean, good, good boys, boys just came out. Good <laughs> boys just came out two weeks ago, man. <laughs> or a week ago, whatever mm. it was. You yeah. Know? And think about it. You say the Hangover movies, too. There, there hasn't been a Hangover movie since 2013. Uh, six years ago Those was the last one. Horrible. That's the first one. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I watched the first one. I remember parts of the second one, and I never ever, I you know, I never even tried watching the third one. Again, another series in which it was so overhyped, so talked about. Yeah. Everybody spoke about how fucking funny and hysterical it was. It's the funniest thing they've ever seen in their entire lives. And I like watching. I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. It's it's funny. It's got some really funny moments that are making me laugh very hard. But I am not seeing this as some fucking ingenious, I've never seen a guy film before type of fucking thing. You know what I mean? I'd rather sit down and watch Lethal Weapon for like the 562nd time. Well, also, yeah. a, lot of the, a lot of the people that love those, like, you know, weird fucked up shit happened, you know, over the weekend, over the night kind of films. They themselves never had a really fucked up crazy night where they were out all night, all kinds of weird crazy shit. <laughs> happened you know they've you, never had those you, make a, you make a point yeah they're living vicariously through mm. the characters see unfortunately or fortunately i'm one of them 
You know, like that's the thing. <laughs> I've had moments like this. I'm not always yeah, proud to fucking have. say it either, man. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, because some of those things you remember, some of those things you don't. Most of the things that you wish you didn't remember are the ones that you remember most vividly, which really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and again, that first one, it was great. I do enjoy it. I think it's a funny movie, but it's just that part two and part three. We're just retreading what happened in the first one. It's just different yeah. locations. And that's why I think that that movie kind of fell apart, where it's just like, I love the you little know what was funny in the first one? <laughs> yeah. Let's part two, the, the same little thing dick, the the little dick sticking yeah. out of the pubes, dude. That <laughs> was so funny with a little monkey and shit. That made me laugh, man. Oh, the monkey tapping it, and he's like, I think it's a spider's nest. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated it. But, yeah, again, it was just a retread of the first one which is why I just didn't appreciate those two sequels. That's why we haven't gotten another one, because it's dumb. <laughs> it's going to make yeah. a fourth one. Cause it'll just be yeah, well, I, I think they all kind of moved on anyway, though, you know? Like, all of the, the, the principles involved with those films have kind of all gone on and, and made big things of themselves, you know? I mean, look at Bradley Cooper now. You know, Galifianakis. He's a producer on Joker. You know, what happened... What the fuck happened to Galifianakis? He was huge during that time frame, and then maybe like another year or two after, and then poof, was gone. Mm. Um, like well, I haven't seen anything Effect, with him in it. He's What's on up? a show that just had a series finale called Baskets. Oh, which is actually okay. Well, good. that explains it. Okay, well, yeah, that's why I don't see But yeah, it just had a series finale this past Tuesday, and it was a really funny show called Baskets with Willie Anderson playing his mom, which is just so fucking bizarre, but it works. <laughs> I know everybody fell in love with him from the uh, from the whole Hangover movies and everything. I remember yeah. him from a movie called Out Cold, okay, with one of the Outcold fucking London kids in yep. it. Dude, that fucking yep. movie was hysterical. He was really funny in it, and I was surprised I didn't see him much after that. So when all of a sudden they popped up in the Hangover, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's got this guy in it, man, big fuzzy beard. And I'm like, I know that fucker. Out <laughs> <Yeah>, Cold. <laughs> Just still, when it comes on, I have to watch it. Because it's still one of the funniest mm. fucking movies. <laughs> you know? One of those those fun ski movies, you know, that that you don't see anymore. You know, we had like Hamburger the movie, shit like that in the 80s. And, you know, now, now that's like the, the closest we've gotten to that. Yeah. And it, it just, yeah, again, like I said, whenever it's on, one of the London brothers is in it. Thomas Lennon from Reno 911 is in it. David Koechner. So, I mean, it had a great cast. And it was a lot of fun. AJ Cook, who's always good to see. You know, I don't like blondes, but I definitely loved her in that movie. Um, but yeah, that's Zach uh, Galifianakis from Basket, which is a series series now, like I said. Um, but does anybody have anything else they want to talk about before we get into the movie tonight? Uh, just lastly, I just wanted to dare and say super quick, since we were talking about binging earlier and, uh, you know, what you can binge and what you can't binge. Oh, wrong binge. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 not, uh, ghoul. We told you your body is beautiful the way it is. You don't have to starve yourself to become that supermodel body. You're doing it's good. Sexy, Stay no. on the right track. All right? So cut it out. Or we're going to sit there and have to have an intervention in the girls' room. All right. But anyway. Uh, uh, I'm then, sorry. I, was, I did not mean to make light of bulimia or, or anorexia or anything like that. Well, I mean, obviously, I, made to make, I meant to make light of it. I was. But it isn't a funny subject. Um, so, yes, if you do have a loved one that needs help, please contact your local authorities. This is and, where we and, and, 
and and not talking terror because we just don't give a shit. But, <laughs> on, <laughs> but, but, but on, on Friday on Netflix, I'm really excited because this the long-awaited sequel to The Dark Crystal is coming out Friday, and I'm gonna and I don't care what we just said, I'm gonna binge the fuck out of that shit this weekend. <laughs> but it's a it's a series coming out. It's a sequel to the original Dark Crystal movie. Uh, Henson Studios are involved. Real puppetry is involved. Uh, limited CGI is being used. So I'm just really stoked about this project, and I'm really excited to see what it's going to turn out to be like. And so, Simon yeah. doing the voice. The title. All right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the third things. I've, I've been waiting for this, too. I'm looking forward to it. I am not going to binge it. I'm going to, <laughs> first and foremost, watch the original. I know this is all a prequel, but I want to go back to where it started. I want to try to revisit my childhood. I have it on Xbox. You know, I know me and the Google girl made it about halfway through. I think we stopped to fornicate. Um, I, I don't know if it was the <laughs> Skeksis that got us hot and horny or if it was the fucking Gelflings, but it was one or the other. Um, but... Regardless, I think it, I think it's all back. Great. I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> it, it could, it, you know what? You might be right there, dude. That uh, that Whoopi Goldberg looking bitch, dude. She was yeah, man. Like yeah. if you were if you were gonna cast her in like real life, that's who you use. You take Whoopi Goldberg as Olga, bro. That's it. Bam. Whoopi, call me. Um, but what I do know is that we have close friends of the show who actually were able to get in in New York City and previewed this show earlier this week. Oh, so, for real? And from, and from what I've heard and gathered from the few little things they've thrown out there, it is legit. So, nice. I okay. Am, yeah, I am excited. Yes, I'm so uh, excited. Well, we know. I'm pumped. You know who I'm talking about, King. I do. <laughs> I saw their post. Yeah, I'm so stoked. I just hope that the monkey is awake and ready to go for our convention on Saturday after binge watching oh. the Dark Crystal. Yes, that's right. Because this weekend, ha ha ha, creature feature in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Excited. Creature feature weekend. <laughs> we will be there in attendance to meet Joe Bob Briggs, the idol of mine from Monster Vision, as well as sexy sax man Tim Capello. Can't wait to meet both of them and chat with them. Get some pictures and get some autographs and <laughs> fingers crossed, boys, that we get a promo from Joe Bob. That's going to be the monkey and I's goal is to get a promo from Joe Bob himself for Talking Terror. And my goal this weekend is simply this. I'm going to the Mahoning Drive-In on Saturday night, oh. and I am going to be sexy. I'm going to be sexy at the drive-in because on Saturday night, I am going to get to watch on that gigantic, beautiful screen in all of its 35-millimeter glory beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I could not be more fucking excited. I'm so jealous. I remember when you – I remember the ghoul when you called me, and you're like, what are you doing? Like, the 31st. And I'm like, well, I have the horror convention. You're like, fuck, dude, Valley of the Dolls drive-in. I'm like, god damn it. Of course, this movie has to play the weekend I'm going to the convention. But I hope you have a great time. I, I would love to see that movie on a, a drive-in theater screen. 
I, oh, I feel dude. like it's going to bring it back to where it belongs, you know? Like, I've seen the movie so many times. I've watched it on, you know, again, obviously, my my tiny cable TV back when they were tube televisions in the, the 90s when I was tripping my balls off watching it then. And I own it on Xbox. I own it on, like, you know, the 40th anniversary, whatever DVD version of it that I have from, I don't know, maybe there's the 25th anniversary. I think that's what it was. And now I think it's it's ridiculously... Ridiculously so good. So I am just, yeah. Like, again, I, I can barely yeah. fucking talk. That's how excited I am to see this damn flick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited right. for you, man. I know you love that movie. That I, I'm so excited for your ghoul. I hope you have a it's great time. It's such a good movie. It really is. I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm envious. I mean, I'm really excited about the convention. Uh, taking the monkey's son for his first horror convention ever. It's going to be epic. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exposing him to our world. I think it's going to be so cool. I think he's going to have a lot of fun. But, yeah, that, that's this weekend. We're going to post all the pictures that we get on our Talking Terror Facebook page. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, but, Monkey, uh, you yes. know what? I think it's time we strap ourselves onto the gurney and talk about the movie for tonight, Flatliners from 1990, directed by uh, Joel Schumacher. What, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. You're all kinds of confused, man. No, because we chose another no, we chose another nineteen ninety Kiefer Sutherland movie and we decided on Young Guns two. And Young Guns Two is about the continuing saga of Billy the Kid and his gang as they continue to wreak havoc and wreak the whirlwind in the old west. Reappearing in the films, Emilio S what? I got an old coat. <laughs> We gotta bring the monkey back. Okay. He's been on for twelve minutes. He's brain dead. Uh-huh. talking about young guns too. All right, fine. I, I, I would not mind. I would not mind talking about young guns too. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I really love it. All right, fine. Then I'll pick yet another Kiefer Sutherland movie from 1990, Flatliners. <laughs> yes, two Kiefer Sutherland movies in one year. A movie which inspired the Doc to run his own experiments on the Talking Terror crew. Experiments of deceiving death and coming back from the nether realm of the death. But Flatliners is a movie where a group of actual medical students, not this unruly lot that the Doc had to deal with, who got together in a group to experiment to see what was on the other side of the veil of death. And once there, could you come back from it to tell the tale? And while the doc pretty much had us all strapped to slabs in the Talking Terror morgue... Mickey and Mallory and strapped, Knox. <laughs> and, strapped, and the doc pretty much just strapped a bunch of car batteries to us like it was a bad torture scene in Lethal Weapon 1. This group of students who have funding <laughs> do controlled suicide, which was highly monitored by their peers. And wow, we just did rude things to each other once we were clinically dead. But yes, once you cross over, should you come back? And if you do, do you come back alone? And that's what Flatliners is. All right. <laughs> now, <laughs> now is I believe it's safe to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I, I believe it's safe to say it's been a really long time since any of us have seen this film. And while I did find the movie still entertaining, I definitely thought thought it had some flaws, most of them being Julia Roberts. But I, but I really walked away with this, uh, really finding a new look for all of the all of the settings, all of the backgrounds, the lighting that was used in this film. I really really enjoyed the environment of this film, 
and I considered it just an important part of the film as the actors. But uh, <laughs> you mean you mean all all four sets that they had yeah. and the lighting the like that, that like you know that you <laughs> could completely clearly see that they were using like stage lights to change the lighting outside because the window would like you know just color it a different way. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, because, see, if this was an Italian movie, this is when the king would be all about defending this shit and establishing the mood of the shot, you know, because this is what you do in Giallo, you know, and he would be coming in saying this shit. But I'm going to... Don't just, step on my Giallo films, bro. <laughs> Dude, I'm I love shut up for a second. Monkey, I love the way you delivered that line right there because you just delivered it with, like, just the right amount of, like, cheesy vibe of, like, that's what it is. You would do that shot. Like dripping with sarcasm, man. I love it. Great. Well delivered, my friend. Well delivered. So, so Ghoul, what did you think of Flatliners? I personally feel like the film kind of fell flat. Um, oh, Flatliners. Hey, okay. Yeah. We're back. I know, man. It, w- uh, it would have really picked up if you had a line. Oh, I'll take a couple. Thank you. Hold on. Whee! Um... I do cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Flatliners. This is a film that I I kind of have a bit of a of a history with. You know, me and this film had a relationship at one time. Um, the breakup was terrible. It really was. It was bad. <laughs> I hurt its feelings. It hurt mine. And oh, uh, you know, the, the the rest is history. Here we are. Uh yeah, I'm not the biggest of fans for this movie, uh, not for any of the reasons that, that, that you've said. Uh, Julia Roberts is not the, the downside to this film. She's actually probably the, the most positive portion about it just because she's nice to look at. And she can perform and she can act, and, and that's, that's, that's good. Uh, the rest of the movie comes off as a glorified music video. Uh, complete with swinging shots, with cranes and things moving in all different directions, <laughs> nonsensical shit that doesn't tie into anything at all, or it just makes no sense. Because when you're making a music video, it's three minutes that you got to put that story together. This is a movie. It needs a narrative. Um, but, but yeah, you know, and, and again, my, uh, my my overarching experience with it, I'll, uh, I'll I'll continue with here and there and dip and dab into it. But King, what did you think about the movie? Well, I think it's a good day to podcast. That's what I'll have to oh. say. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, you went there. Yeah, I did. I had to go there. You needed, um, to open, you needed to open the show with that, man. You I sat on that this entire time, dude? Like, you sat on that so long, it's just as flat as the movie is. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Flatliner is, is a movie that I saw a lot back in the day when I was a kid on HBO. It was one of those regular films that was always on when I got home from school. You know, turn on HBO, there it is, Flatliners, and I'll watch it, and I'll enjoy it for what it is because I'm a huge Keeper Sutherland fan. Anything that he's in, I'm going to watch and really enjoy. Um, one of my favorite ones that he ever did was Eye for an Eye with Sally Shield and Ed Harris, where he was a rapist, which is a fantastic film that we're not covering, but um, – in this film, he played Nelson Wright as yeah, Freeway, Freeway was so good. good. With Bruce Willis, Freeway. Um, but oh yeah. To, I would <laughs> really like the fact Sexo. <laughs> uh, the fact that the girl brought up the low lighting and the sets because it definitely did feel like a mid '90s music video. 
Like, it felt like Live was going to show up at some point to sing Lightning Strike, or Trent Reznor was going to show up, and he was going to be like, I love this shit. Yeah, let's make a music video, guys. Closer, am I right? Like, you know, it was such a weird... But I do like the fact that they handled (laughs) death in such a way. Because we talked about death on the show before with Bubba Hotep and with uh, Skeleton Key. Uh, But initially, it's basically... Yeah. Final um, Destination. You know, I mean, everything on the show is death. (laughs) It's what we do. (laughs) We're a horror podcast. (laughs) I hate people. (laughs) It's the experiment part that I really do appreciate, is that you have Nelson Wright, uh, played by Keeper Sutherland, who's trying to get all of his friends that are scientists together to do this thing where they're like, well, we don't really want to do it. He's like, come on, guys. We're going to be fucking famous. Like, I got this. You're going to bring me back. I'm going to go under for like two minutes. I'm going to see what it's like. And then we're going to go from there. You guys are going to be in papers. You guys are going to be on TV. Like, don't you want this? But then you have the other characters. uh, (laughs) Yeah, Donahue. Um, You have uh, Randy Stucker, played by uh, Oliver Platt, who's kind of the the skeptic. But again, they all start as skeptics. Um, Joe, played by William Baldwin. You know, the playboy that he is, you know, he wants to do it, but he's not sure. Um, I like the fact that this movie starts off right away, where it's like we're going into the experiment. There's no backstory. There's no, this is Nelson dabbling. This is him trying to figure it out. No, we're going right in. We're going right into the first attempt at the afterlife with Nelson. And I thought that was so great because so many, so many movies want to set it up. This movie just goes right in. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate that too. Of we don't, We don't have half an hour beforehand of you know, him doing all of his research and figuring things out and then approaching everyone. Fuck that. We're just going straight into it. <laughs> so what are you, yeah, you, you could have had yeah. that moment in which he's sitting there and he's in, like, you know, he's working again as a med student. He's in like the ER somewhere. Right. And a person flatlines. And then, you know, somehow one of these other people, they resuscitate him and the person looks at him and they're like, there is life after death. <laughs> and then Kiefer looks, you know, at the at the at the camera, or looks at another person, and is like, "Hey, I got a fucking idea." <laughs> yeah, um, but I do like the dichotomy of the characters because you have Rachel, played by Julia Roberts, who is a scientist in her own right, but at the same time, she's taking care of this older woman who is basically preparing to die. Um, and hearing voices and not really understanding that, yeah, I, I don't like the fact that next week I'm going to be dead. Um, and her having these conversations with this woman, but also being enticed by Nelson to do the experiment. Um, because in her, own, in her own, yeah, and in her own way, she is very upset with the idea of death. Yeah, very much so. Well, I mean, again, each one of these characters represents pretty much a philosophy on death as far as what yes. your belief system might be. You know, yeah, you have the characters that believe that 
you know, that just scientifically speaking, it's synapses firing, it's this, it's that. You have Julia Roberts' character, who, you know, is, is almost a faith-based character, because, you know, she's telling the woman, like, you know, you're going to see your loved ones, you know, this and that, your life, and all of that. Um, she sees it as a, a as a positive place to go when when you die. You know, you got Kevin Bacon's character where he's the atheist. You know, he doesn't believe in anything. He's like, you know, whatever. You die, you die. And that, that, that's that. Um, you know, and then you have yeah, Keeper Sutherland, almost like the uh, pretty much like the Doctor Frankenstein of the crew. You know, where he's yes, yep. trying to get this done, he wants this done, he's going to get it done at all costs. Whether they help him, whether they don't, he's going to do it. Um, and then you have William Baldwin, who's just there because women like <laughs> William Baldwin in 1990. Yeah, he's, well, he's not the good one. He's not Alex. He's William. Well, well, also, well, with what you just brought well, up, Steven. Steven. is, if, if anything, William Baldwin is one about worldly pleasures and living in the moment. It's not about yeah. like, like you know death. It's about living the most of what you can right then and there with the life with, that you have. Which your then, dick. <laughs> you know, he does with his life with his dick <laughs> and his video camera yeah. taking illegal shit. Dude, like talk about wow. You know, if he only knew, if he existed in today's society, man, that motherfucker would have like phones all over the place. He'd be like, yo, selfieing with bitches behind him, like eating his ass and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, when, he, and, when he is going to Pleasure Town with that one girl, and he's just looking up at that camera, and he's smiling the entire time, and he has a voicemail from Nelson yeah. going, don't forget the camera. What camera? <laughs> Never mind, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and this is I, this is exactly how this is exactly how Rob Lowe got in trouble. <laughs> I think that the woman, the blonde that he's he's doing in that scene is Wendy Devine. Um, okay. other, other known, other name was Maya Divine, but when I looked in the cast, I'm not seeing it, and I'm not seeing any of her stage names. So I don't know if she was uncredited, but I could swear that that's her face because I mean I thought it was somebody that, else initially I when I know. first saw it. But I know who you're you know, talking about. It, I don't know. It was yeah, because yeah, I know Maya Mhm. Yeah, I know her well too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know talking about, but, um, maybe not. Well, I'd say not personally, but you know, maybe maybe not live and personally, but yeah, I, I know it pretty personally. You, hey, um, you you person you personally have a personal connection with her, even though she may not have a personal connection with you. <laughs> but also, the thing about David too, uh, Kevin Bacon's character, even though he's an atheist, I like the fact yeah, that we're they in touch. him. Uh, <laughs> I like the fact that they show David, uh, Joe, uh, Joe, rather, saving the woman. David, I'm, I keep messing names up. Uh, David, uh, <laughs> Kevin Bacon's character, saving the woman at the beginning of the film. Like, he's saving her life. Even though he's an atheist, I think that he wants people to live. Like, he doesn't want people to die. Like, he's going to do anything that he can, which leads him to be uh, suspended from the school. And that's where you have Nelson telling him, oh, man, whatever. It's just like, what, a couple weeks? Like, stop being such a bitch. Why are you going to rappel down the side well, of your building? You're get out of here. Because, it's a, because it's a, fucking it's a full semester, actually, what he's, what he's out for. That's what it is. He's out for four months, so it's a full semester, and they say you'll, they'll bring you back next term. But, you know, it's not that he wants to keep people alive. Kevin Bacon's character is, yes, he's the atheist, but he's also the egoist. For him, it's the God complex. Yeah, yeah. The, 
I yep. can do this because I'm a perfectionist and everything that I do is always going to be right because I know what I'm doing. That's what got him in trouble. That's what makes his character who his character is. That's a, uh, I didn't think of that. The fact that he's got a god yeah. complex. And that's amazing that you brought that up because I didn't think of that until now, that he does have that, that I have the hands to bring people back from death. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why he's the one that's always trying to bring back everybody from death when they do the flatline experiment. I got this. Yeah, yeah. Nelson, step out of the way. I got this. I'll bring them back. You don't have the hands that I do. You're going to get these hands like Ron Strowman. <laughs> but that's also pro- – that's that- – <laughs> But that's they probably why like we have big, the big strong hands. <laughs> oh, see, and now the and now the king knows what that means because he's seen the Neverending <laughs> Story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. But yes, do. yes, but but I, th- th- that could definitely. <laughs> but uh, but that could definitely explain the you know why we have the struggle between Wright and Joe is because you know mad scientist versus god complex. You know they they both think. They're able to do it all. Same coin, yeah. different sides. That's what you have there. Yeah, you have absolutely. one who is a little bit of a wild card with the Kiefer Sutherland character, and then you got you know Kevin Bacon's character who is the I'm going to do it, you know, because I know I can do it, but it's also going to be by the books. I'm doing it right, you know. Yeah, man, and I, 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 I would definitely see that. Uh, the first experiment with Nelson, where he's the first one to go under. So they have the, the cooling blanket, and then they could turn it on to heat to bring him back. And once they do, they're all like, holy shit, we did it. Like, we brought him back. Like, he is back from death. And they're all celebrating and getting beer and wine and whatever else they could find. And you have that moment with Nelson sitting outside wrapped in the blanket, and then you have this very, very sad dog crawling towards him in the alley. <laughs> this very Batman and Robin fucking alley. <laughs> so I was like, what? Is this Batman Forever? Because well, there's a lot of graffiti Joel, all over these walls. It's Joel Schumacher. It's it not is. like this is not fucking, you know what I mean? Like, definitely all this scenery, so much of the settings, it all, it like, just reeks of those Batman movies, which are going to come a couple years from now. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're getting the setup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, uh, you know, the whole sequence while he's in, and we're getting those crane shots and the helicopter shots or whatever they were, or like you know, across the fields and oh, a yeah. bunch yep. of kids running. It all looks like it's you know, all oh. happy-go-lucky stuff. It looks like it's positive. It doesn't look like we're gonna see anything bad yet. You know, we don't actually see mm. anything skew towards negativity until they're trying to bring mm. him out. Actually, you know, when they're trying to bring him yeah. back to life, that's when you and start seeing the clouds going gray. gray and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact that once they do the experiment on Nelson, now you have Joe and you have Rachel kind of daring each other of how long they can go under. Well, I could do a minute and 30. Well, I could do two minutes. I could do 215. Like, it's them daring each other to see how long they can go under. And then you have Rachel going, you guys are crazy. Like, you guys are nuts. Like, mm. you can go under for that long, but you'll be brain dead. Like, why would you want that? Mm. It'll be an avocado. Like, you know, it's, it's not <laughs> worth it. Like, it works now, but why do you keep wanting to do this? So, like, I related to Randy a lot, uh, Oliver Platt's character, because he was, he's interested. He wants to know about this, but at the same time, it's like, is it worth your lives to, to, to you know, <laughs> death? He's, he's also willing to, 
to be a part of the experiment without actually risking his life in the experiment. All he's doing is, is risking his career. Um, you know, for Julia Roberts' character, I do feel bad because, honestly, she's the only female involved with this crew. She's obviously a brilliant doctor. They're all saying yep. that, you know, that she's brilliant, she's this, she's that. And she really, to all of these guys, all they want to do is stick their dick in her. I mean, this is yeah. like the epitome of, like, what this time frame was. Because, like, here she is. It's like, well, hey, she's the only pretty girl. So, yeah, everybody, everybody's got to fuck her. Everybody's got to want to try to fuck mm-hmm. her. You know, because that's what we got to have. You know, they can't simply look at her as an equal. We have to make her yeah. a sex object, you know. And then we have to put her in a yeah. relationship with one of the fucking characters on top yeah. of it. Which was hey. fucking bizarre towards the end of that movie, what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all right, fine. But it's, it's, yeah, I never got that Nelson or Randy really wanted her in any kind of sexual way. Like, I felt like David looked at her as, I don't want to say a brother-sister kind of way, but I never got it that he wanted to fuck her. Like, he liked to tease her a lot, but I never got the fact that he wanted her like Joe did and like David did. Oh, Joe, Joe definitely did, because Joe was all like, hey, Rachel, identify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rachel, yeah, identify. And there's his dick sitting on the table, you know? It's like, oh, it's a penis. Yeah. Um... And Joe, uh, Wayne Baldwin's character, is the next one to go under. And then when he comes out of it, that's when he starts to see the women that he's had sex with and he's videotaped uh, okay, appearing but... to him and talking. Oh, I'm sorry, Monkey. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to jump in right after you were done. Because they were appearing to him. But what you also find out is that he is engaged to be married to a woman. So he has all these videotapes that are marked by their names, but then he has the engagement video. Of him being uh, at this party with his his fiance, but at the same time he is such a playboy that he just has to get his dick in everybody that he could find, but they start to appear to him. What mm. happens to Nelson is that mm. a bully in a red hoodie appears to him and then fucking knees him in the nuts really hard in an alley, <laughs> like, <laughs> just right to it, and then just beats the fuck out of him in this alley, mm. and he's like, oh shit, like you know. Mm. He knows who it is, but he doesn't admit it to the rest of the group. Like, he keeps it to himself for a while while he's living in this palatial fucking mansion <laughs> as a scientist. <laughs> as a yeah. vampire. Um, yeah. Whoops. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but on, also – Come is, on, man. Talk. I'm going. Got this. Because, it, because it seems like every time someone goes under, that's their personal heaven. All right? That's how they view heaven. And when Joe went under – and it's just all these tits all over the place and women all over the place. I was like, oh, look, that's that's ghoul's heaven. Look at that shit. <laughs> look at all look, look at all them porn stars. <laughs> look at all the porn stars all over the place. It's just sex, sex, booty, sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm in a rap video all of a sudden. Sex, sex, booty, sex, 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 booty, sex. <laughs> it was very fun, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> get them titties, get it, get. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's very, very nineties with like the the fishnet stockings and the breasts, and he's like, it's just so erotic, it's so great, <laughs> just mm-hmm. the greatest thing ever. And like, well, great. But now you're gonna have all these people showing up. So again, like this is the stuff that I remember from when I was a, a teenager watching this movie. Now, see, my my personal experience with this film 
was that I, I wanted to see it so bad when it was in theaters, and I never got a chance to, but I was able to talk my stepfather into getting the bootleg of the movie. So here I am, all excited. He brings the fucking videotape home. I put that shit in the VCR finally, and I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm about to watch Flatliners, man. This is going to be awesome. Because I talked like Mike Tyson when I was a kid for some reason. Um, (laughs) so great. so good. I'm the greatest. I was a kid. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to love this movie. It's going to be so good. So good. Um, So anyway, I put this fucking tape on, and the quality was atrocious. It was, like, unwatchably mm. bad. So dark, you know, because it's a dark film as it is. But, like, take that and, like, really bring it down into the blacks, and you could barely see anything that was going on besides, like, the occasional snippet and the lights coming on outside the window every now and again. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a scrap. I never bothered, bothered watching it that way. So cut to him finally getting the hot box just as this was hitting pay-per-view all the time. So yes, just like you, King, I watched this movie a billion times back then because you only had like two pay-per-view channels and yeah. you were stuck with, you couldn't choose it. It wasn't like an on-demand thing. It was whatever was airing. So, you know, they would air, you know, this movie, then another movie, then another movie, and then on the other channel had, you know, whatever, a different set of movies, but in a different sequence. And then you had the Playboy channel and the Spice channel, which... You know, they kept those channels locked, so I just go right. up and down on the boxes, see the little squiggly lines of the titty every now and again. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to jerk off, oh. I'm going to jerk off, look at the booby, look at the booby. That's the boob. Then I'd be like, oh, it's gone. It's a boob, it's a boob. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. Um, but yeah, so we, finally we, we, we all did that. that movie, though. <laughs> I was so fucking disappointed with this movie. I really was expecting this to be like a psychological, extremely like disturbing take on death. It, it was a horror movie and I felt like it had all these actors and actresses that like I really liked, you know, because I was a, a young teenager. Only yeah. to find it to be like, yeah, no, wow, that movie kind of sucked. But I still watched it like <laughs> a thousand times. Yeah, and I, I watched it so many times when I was a kid. Um, and then watching it now after it's been many, many years. Um, but we also have David going under for the experiment. And then when he comes out of it, he starts to have vision of a little black girl uh, named Winnie Hicks that he bullied when he was very young. And there's a scene that's great on the subway when he's riding on the subway and she appears to him and she's like, oh, you snot motherfucker. Like, you know, hey, hey, you stink. Like, you know, making fun of him. But you realize that's everything that he said to her. And she's coming after him, just like Billy Mahoney is coming after uh, Nelson. He doesn't know why, but he knows that uh, <laughs> something's happening. And he just she called him a turd face. And she's got that risk like Mike Tyson. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she's talking no. like your. She's talking about your. She's talking like your stereotypical young. African American mm-hmm. female in a movie, you know, so she's got that like sassy attitude, and mm, you know, you's just not a nice guy, David. You've got a turd face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when they showed the one flashback of her being bullied by uh, David as a young kid, like I honestly felt bad for her because you know everybody else is playing in the schoolyard and having fun, and he's there with a bunch of kids and all surrounding her and all yelling in her face. I was like, yeah, you deserve this, David. You deserve to have your past to haunt you, just like uh, Nelson does with Billy Mahoney. That you don't really know mm-hmm. why 
Billy Mahoney keeps coming back and beating the fuck out of Keith Sutherland, including mm-hmm. spitting in his face, which ugh, like, I mm, couldn't handle it. <laughs> when he just gets that big thing of phlegm and he just spits in his face, and ah, now. But going back to the playground I'm, scene, though, it's like I'm it's not also one of those phobe, scenes. but there's certain things that I am a germ phobe about, and yeah, I'm with you on that, dude. Like any kind of saliva, <laughs> any kind of old yeah. factory shit, dude. Like you know, keep your shit to your shit. Sorry, monkey. monkey. Go ahead, man. Did we lose the monkey. We did. We lost the we monkey. Did. We did. Oh yeah, man, he's mad. Anyway. He's, he was well, mad at me. He's but, like, well, he cut me off mid-sentence to talk about spitting that motherfucker. I'm going to kick his ass. Monkey's on his way over to my house Yeah, I right know. Now. What the hell? And it's a season finale episode. Um, but, yeah, moving on to the movie, uh, he is back. But uh, Julia Roberts, Hi, monkey. She, she goes under, and she has <laughs> visions of what we assume is her dad. Um, you know, an <laughs> army veteran, you know, somebody that's going up to war. They're very proud of him. It was the one thing that... Uh, later, after she gets brought out, um, after the power surges uh, take almost her out completely, uh, Nelson's the one saying that our sins of our past are coming back. Like, they are, they're coming after us, and we don't know how to control this. But you never really find out about Rachel, because um, like, it's not really a sin. You know, it's not really something that she did. It's something that she blames herself for, which I thought was interesting. Because like, yeah, I thought at one point they might say that the father touched her when she was very young, and that might be what's affecting her now that she's out. Well, from the no, well, but it's not that. Well, no, the idea was that her guilt, because her mother made her feel guilty that she was right. the reason why the father killed himself. The father came back from the war, was obviously addicted to the drugs and whatnot. Rachel finding him in the room is what drove him to run out. And when he was in the vehicle, he killed himself rather than her watch him as he was. You know what I mean? His own guilt is what drove him to that. But her guilt because of that situation is what was hard. That was what was harboring for her. And it was hard for her to to watch that because she, like, it's not like she did something wrong. She's not like Nelson. She's not like David. She's not like Joe. You know, it's not like she's without that love and affection. It was just the fact that she saw her father do something that he shouldn't have been doing, and he killed himself. And the mother blamed her for that. So I kind of felt for her character having to deal with this. Right. Now, if we can, uh, King, I would love for you to sit there and go into your alternate theory about the dad being touchy-feely real quick, if you could. Just because I think that would – if they had gone with your theory about what it had done, it would have explained – Julia Roberts' character better as far as how she acts throughout the entire movie because that the the way she isolates people and keeps everyone away would have made more sense with your theory than the one that's presented to us in the movie. Yeah, because I like what was presented. At the same time, before you find out that he was a heroin addict, I felt like maybe she was harboring this dark secret that her father touched her. You know, and molested her over the years, and she just kept it to herself, and that's why she has such a problem being in relationships with men, and she has a problem being close to anybody because of what happened to her, and that's her dark secret. That's what she's always kept close to her chest. So I felt like with her father coming back to her after she's been resurrected, that would be what the storyline would be, is that you know he's there, and he's always going to be haunting her 
And she's never going to be able to escape the fact that her father did this to her and it ruined her childhood. <clears throat> but they don't really explore that. They, they go a different direction. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it, I think the – go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, no, I was just clearing my throat. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, – see, I, I, I get what, you're, what, what you want to go with with that, and I can see where that would yeah. have – some semblance uh, of sense as far as her relationships and everything. But I think really what they were going with, with that is, is you got to remember something that experience for her is probably right. what drove her towards medicine because she mm-hmm. wants to be able to heal somebody from that situation. Now in that same breath, you're talking about a medical field in which it's dominated by men. So the only thing she can do in order to be taken seriously in that field is to isolate herself to therefore make sure she's staying focused and not being distracted and not being seen as an object, which again, unfortunately, what they show you in this movie is that everybody else wants the banger making her an object to be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do like the fact that after she's brought out and they bring her back to her place and she's wrapped up in the blankets, you already know that Nelson admitted to Randy and Joe and David what he's experiencing with Billy Mahoney, you have that exchange with uh, David and Rachel where he's like, so yeah, uh, here's the thing, full disclosure, um, did anything happen to you? Did you see anything? <laughs> and she's like, nah, cool. And he's like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Just saying, because like, if you saw anything, you could totally tell me, because uh, yeah, right? And she's like, no, no, nothing. And he's like, well, she's clear. She didn't see anything. <laughs> it was the one moment in the movie I laughed. Just because of the like, interaction. He's like, no, I didn't she'll see anything. Just asking for a friend. I'd but you happen to be seeing any little black girls that are haunting you and calling you funny names? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just asking <laughs> for a friend. Just, just for a friend. Did you see any little kids in the hoodie? Yeah, me neither. So we're good. We're good, but, right? Uh, and... But I like that Joe uh, goes back to his apartment and he's being followed by all these women. And the one woman's <laughs> like, oh, hey, uh, don't you think I could be a model? Yeah, because, I mean, I totally could be. Right? He's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I got to go. And then you have the other <laughs> one going, oh, hey, Joe, what's going on? Like, you want to go out tonight, right? And he's like, no, no, sorry. Reaches the top of the seat. like, everybody just get the fuck out. <laughs> and that's when he sees his fiance sitting in a chair, completely distraught. Because she's uh, oh, yeah, the you know. all the women that you know, yeah. you know by that woman's face that she found oh, that yeah. man. You know, there's she, there's no uh huh. That is definitely that look. I give the actress a lot of credit because you know she definitely uh, portrayed that look very well. What I liked about all the women were that the lines they were using on him were obviously all of the pickup lines he used on oh, them. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like, hey, you know, hey, baby, you know, you could be, you're so hot, you could be a model, you know, are you a doctor? Is this, is this a, is this a problem? You know, holding his dick in his hand, that type of deal. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, the actress was great, but like I talked about with the monkey the other night, it just, again, I had a little bit of a laugh uh, when she talks and when he's like, I'm so glad you're here. Oh my God, baby, you're here. It's so great. And she's like, yeah, I found your tapes. You know what? I'm not even mad that you fucked all these women. I'm really just mad what? that you just treated them like trash. And he's like, oh, come on, baby. Like, they didn't even mean anything, baby. And she's like, no, no. Hey, man, you just, you didn't even treat them like human beings. 
They didn't even know they were being videotaped. We're done. I was like, I don't know. I think she's nah, pretty I upset get that, that talked to a lot of women, too. Absolutely. I, she's going to be upset no matter what. But, again, I think really what it comes down to is that she realizes that this guy's ego is so large that this guy mm. doesn't view women as human beings at all. The only thing he sees is himself and his own pleasure. All of those girls, his own words, you know, they didn't mean anything. She says she wished they did because at least that would show that he saw them as humans. He saw them as something other than a fucking hole to stick his dick inside of and just nut, you know? So I, I get completely where she was coming with that. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a bizarre thing because they, they really – she focused on the fact that he treated them like garbage. And again, I agree with her. He did. He treated these women like garbage and he videotaped them without them knowing. And he saved all the tapes and he labeled all of them. Um, But again, it leads to a scene with David trying to find Winnie Hicks. And it's completely 1990 because he's just calling everybody in the phone book. And he's like, Hey, uh, you know, uh, did you have a daughter Uh, 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 Hicks? Uh, (laughs) You know, back in the day, and they're like, you did great. Where did she live now? Great. Awesome. What's your phone number? Great. You guys are so... I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't imagine anybody going, I'm going to give this guy all of her information and where to find her, and it's going to be good. <laughs> we don't know who he is. He just wants to know where our daughter is. Yeah, but he also mm-hmm. said childhood friend, and he's trying. he's been trying to catch up with her, you know? So... And he did say, because... For what reason? Such, such, <laughs> said, I'm a parent, he said... Why? No, he said he was trying to catch up with her because they were friends from such and such primary school. They went to school together. You know, he did yeah. give some actual background information and not just he hey, I'm quick. a. Yeah, but this is 1990, man. It's not like serial killers <laughs> weren't a thing by that point. You know, I don't know. Exactly. You know, you're a you're an African American and you got somebody that clearly sounds very Caucasian on the other side of the line asking about your daughter. I don't know how forthcoming I'm going to be, especially being that she's got a kid. You know what I mean? Like, this person's giving information that could easily be endangering that entire family. Exactly. It's pretty small with my mom at that point. Yeah, and he gets that real fast, and then he goes, well, I'm going to go see her now, and then you have Nelson showing up just getting beaten up again by Billy Mahoney. He's like, oh, man. I just don't want to be alone. He's like, but it's a two-hour drive. He's like, I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> you know, let's go Mahoney, to this place. Because Mahoney's yeah. beating his ass with a fucking hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> and with the with the uh, the screwdriver, because he's got that screwdriver yeah. to protect himself. And then Billy Mahoney beats the fuck out of him with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's been just ravaged. And I love the fact that he's sitting in the jeep and he's watching David go up to the house and he's like, hey. I'm David. Let me in the house. And David's like, hey, can I come in? She's like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Telegraphing what's happening. But it leads to Bill Mahoney finding him once again in the back of the Jeep and going after him with a crowbar. Which I thought was like, you can't escape this kid. This little, you know, fucking Billy Thomas you get from E.T. With the hoodie on. (laughs) 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 Elliot. Ouch. Ouch. But I like the, I like the fact that he has one year. I'm gonna beat you up with a screwdriver. <laughs> you have you have seen E. T., right, King? Yes, I've seen E. T. Yeah. I actually like E. T. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Um, 
But, but yeah, you that, have that, that, oh, go Woody ahead. Hicks as an adult, you know, has a kid now, has a husband that's like, what the fuck is this white guy doing in my house? Like, do we just let people in now? That's what we do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> fine. Little girl looked out the window. She's like, Mama, there's a honky out in our driveway. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so loose. It's in our driveway. <laughs> Oh and oh and he's not alone. There's another hunky in the truck. Holy shit, oh, Mama! That... It's Ren. Ren is coming up the walkway. <laughs> oh, he's a he's so foxy. Just don't use that kind of language. <laughs> yes, they deserve to die. I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> he just wants to dance. Another, another Kimber Sutherland movie. Time to kill. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, he he brings it up to Winnie about what happened to her when she was a kid, and she's like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, it's in the past. Like, I have a kid now. I have a husband. Why are you coming here to reopen old wounds? Like, I don't want to talk about my past anymore. But at the same time, she's kind of thankful for him to come over and apologize for what he did, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, rather than yeah, just say, get the fuck out of my house. She clearly did what most fucking functioning adults do, which is moved on with her life. To, like, you know, become <laughs> something and do something and not be thinking about it. I mean, if she had been harboring it, it was in such a deep location in her fucking, like, inner inner mind that it was not something that was going to come up. Um, I get her, you know, at least thanking him by the end of the conversation, but this was right. really more about Kevin Bacon's own white guilt, you yes. know, needing to be... <laughs> You know, taking care of there. It's it's almost like the whole uh, na na thing of like making amends. You know, they kind of tell mm-hmm. you you have to. You know, you're gonna have to go forth and you're gonna have to do all this and you have to be prepared for whatever reaction the person is gonna give you because the reality is is they don't have to forgive you. They can go tell you to go fuck yourself if they so choose. And you just gotta be willing to take it. You know, and I always thought that that was so. Bizarre. It was just an it's an odd thing because the reality is is if I need to do that for myself, isn't that still just being like a selfish act? Because yes, I'm only apologizing is. or trying to make amends for myself, not really for you. Because I don't want to be haunted by your fucking ghost anymore. So I'm apologizing now. I never thought about it until now because your ghost won't leave me alone. Like it is completely <laughs> selfish. But it was it is that arc. Listen, Winnie, I laid myself on a table, okay, and I almost, uh, I basically brought myself to death, and I was dead, and it started making me thinking of you, and now you've been haunting my ass, so please, please stop. <laughs> but damn, you fine as hell. <clears throat> Check you out. That I'm is. sorry. And you look like <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> Hudson. <laughs> Was it <laughs> fuck you cool? <laughs> she does say, well, was it just me or did her Winnie's daughter was that the same actress that played like Winnie as a kid and be Winnie's daughter? No. That'd be nice, but they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, no, that, okay. that would have been silly if they did that. That would have been like, yo, so was he being haunted by Winnie or was his is his daughter is her daughter like psychic and was she like channeling shit into the guy's head? <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, and then after the whole, you know, thank you thing, you have uh, Nelson being Tyler Durden in the back of his uh, Jeep with a crowbar. <laughs> because there's nobody there. And David's like, there's nobody there. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you trying to hit yourself with a crowbar? And he's like, I know what I got to do. I got to go to the cemetery because I paid my debts. And I got to go visit Billy Mahoney's grave with Randy and Joe and tell no. him I paid my debts. No, and what you it find is out is they what did. happened that day in the field. Which is pretty brutal, no, the, you know, for a kid that's yeah, a but, but the, the thing is, he doesn't say he has to go to the cemetery. The other ones tell him they, that he needs to find Billy Mahoney, and he goes, oh, you, you want to go see Billy Mahoney? I'll show you where Billy Mahoney is. That's yeah. what happens. Well, because he has that confrontation with Rachel where he's like, you want to see what death is? <laughs> this is what death is. Look at it. Look at it. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, and it's, he goes off with Joe and Randy. <laughs> and Rachel's like, that's just your dick. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. like, yeah, yeah, my dick is death. Yeah, well, because it gives us time to go to the cemetery, but it also gives us time for David and Rachel to get their fuck on. So that's the whole reason why they have to separate. Uh, because Seven yeah. and Joe Roberts got to get their fuck. <laughs> you know, they have to have their scene. Mm. It's like, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work, don't care, no. but they do it. Like, you know, it's like, all right. Yeah, nothing leads up to it, and Joe, like Schumacher, being as gay as he did, is, didn't even know how to. He probably didn't even know how to shoot it, so he was like, you know what, just uh, you know, just kiss and just we'll we'll put you under the sheets in the yeah. next shot, and we'll just well, all you saw what he did with the Lost Boys. He doesn't yeah. know how to film Lost. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. he's like, I learned from it. Can't do it this time. <laughs> We're just gonna have him wake up, and they're gonna be just sexy. Waking up next to each other, Julie Roberts, Kevin Bacon, hell yeah, you know. While Keeper Sutherland's running around in the cemetery and going, "I paid my debts, I paid him, Billy. What do you want from me?" It's like, what are you going on, on a dark kid. night? <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's just the fact that you find out that it was him as a kid who was chasing Billy into a tree. And they were throwing stones at him. The tree broke. Billy ended up dying on top of his dog, you know, and the tree branch is there. And it's uh, him being taken away get, from his parents, loving living in a uh, house, you know, a reform school type. I mean, he did kind of pay his dues, but Billy's not done yet. Like, that, you haven't you, paid up yet. You also kind of made that sound fucked up about, you know, Billy dying on top of Nelson's dog. Um, <laughs> Nelson's dog? It was Billy's dog, Champ. I thought it was Nelson's I thought that was, dog. I thought that was Nelson's dog because Nelson's no, dog. No, it was Billy's dog. The, no, the dog was running with the kid, and because oh, okay, he was running it was with Billy's them. Dog, not, okay, no, so I thought Champ was Billy's dog. No, Champ was Nelson's dog. Oh, and then see, at all the, right. I didn't pick that up. And then at the end, when he comes, when he decides to uh, dive again, now Champ is Billy's dog. Right, yeah, which, and I, I don't think that's why I kind of thought it was Billy's dog. Yeah, and Billy's dog. Well, no, I think I think it was it was definitely Nelson's dog, and the dog doesn't die. I think the dog gets paralyzed. I think it's the yeah, tree branch or whatever lands on its hind legs that the dog mm-hmm. is like, you know pretty much dragging itself for the the rest of its lifetime. Yeah, I mean because we show like we talked about in the alleyway, you see the dog yeah. kind of dragging itself. Towards uh, Nelson, and you see if there's something on its legs, like bandages yeah, bandage. or something like that. Yep. But yeah, you know, right. there's right. something attached to yeah. the dog. That um, was too much. Yeah, again, breaking weenie. 
like the monkey had said, it leads to uh, Nelson going back and going, I have to kill myself. Like, there's no way I could escape Billy. I have to kill myself. So I'm going to have this phone call between Rachel and myself where I'm like, got to do it, babe. Got to do it. Sorry. I'm out of here. She's like, stop it. Nelson's always like, later. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the facility and kill myself. Which leads him to so be I- for 12 minutes. I did look it they up can- real quick just to just to clarify it. It is Nelson's dog. Um, I okay. found out about Nelson, Nelson Mandela's dog while I looked this up. Uh, a dog <laughs> with an arrow in its skull. It, sur- it survived a high-risk surgery because that was a dog named Champ. Um, and I guess the director of animal services was Chris Nelson. And, uh, and yes, it was the other article about that. But, yes, within that as well, though, Champ is Nelson's dog. We're, we are going full circle. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it leads to Nelson going under and killing himself, but it leads to the whole gang coming back to try to bring him back with the paddles. But he's been under so long where he's not showing any signs of life. So I'm like, well, it's done. Like, there's no way we can do it. He's been under too long. He's dead. Um, but he, he does show signs of life. <laughs> and he, he, 12 minutes? I mean, that, that's the problem I have. <laughs> Um, because Nelson makes amends in the afterlife with Billy, where it's like, I, I'm so sorry I ha- this happened. I was a kid. I didn't mean mm-hmm. it to happen. You know, Billy walking mm-hmm. into the afterlife, into the light with Champ, and that's what brings him back. Like, he, he apologized, and Billy's like, okay, you can, you can live your life now. <laughs> You're fine. Like, we're cool. Mm-hmm. I'm taking your fucking dog, though. Just letting you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, the dog was already dead by this point, you know, because it was his childhood dog. It's like the movie Lost. It's like the, the movie, jeez. It's like the show Lost. <laughs> the show Remember, Lost, yeah. Every, every, everybody was dead, but they were just all dead at different times and different places, and the island was just really a meeting place for all of them. Yeah, but this is the problem that I have with the scene with, with Nelson. Where they've clearly declared him dead. It's been 12 minutes. He's not coming back. You see in the afterlife, he makes amends with Billy, and Billy walks off into the light with Champ, and that's what brings Nelson back. Randy has brought this up numerous times. If you go out for a certain amount of time, you're going to be a vegetable when you come back. But yet, Nelson's fine. He's just, he's weak. He can't really talk as strong as he could, so he talks to Kevin Bacon. But I don't think this guy's a vegetable at this point. Like, he's not going to be normal. He's been out too long. All of them come back perfectly fine, but if I if I remember correctly, doesn't that whole thing follow the three rule? Uh, you know, three days without water, you're gonna dehydrate. Three minutes without mm-hmm. oxygen, and you start losing your brain cells. Uh, but they were out for under three minutes. Like each of them have been under for no less than three minutes. They've all been brought back before yeah. that three minute mark. Yeah. Because Randy yeah. does bring it up that if you go out any longer than that, you're going to be brain dead. Like, you're not going to be normal. You're going to be a vegetable the rest of your life. Mm. But he comes back, but we don't know if he's fine. We just but Rachel was under for longer than three minutes, and she didn't come back brain dead. She was under for over five. Right. That's, yeah, so they are breaking their own rules because it's true. Mm-hmm. She was under for five, and, well, see, and maybe, Nelson was under may- for 12. Maybe that's why she finally broke down and had sex with someone is because she had a little bit of brain damage and those walls went down. See? Oh no, uh, we're not advocating that on the show. Sorry. <laughs> so, so wait, so six degrees of Kevin Bacon with a vegetable, you know? That's. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, he does. He he wakes up and he can't really talk like he normally can. So he whispers to David, "Today wasn't a good day to die." He's like, "He told me it wasn't a good day to die," and they're like, "Oh, that Nelson, that guy." <laughs> and you get the credits showing Prometheus with the fire. You show all the low lit places they've been, like all the paint. Like again, a very '90s music video way to end this movie. With the low light <laughs> paintings on the wall of all these religious uh, figures, like Prometheus and the So artistic. <laughs> don't you see all the deep? <laughs> don't you see all the deep philosophical themes that were going on within this movie? So many. Yeah, because that was the one thing that we didn't really brought. We didn't really bring up too much is that David progresses into. I'm uh, not David. Uh, Nelson progresses into Doctor Frankenstein after a while. Like when Kevin Bacon's out, and he's like, let's leave money for 10 seconds. 10 seconds more, that's not even that much. What about 15? What about 20? You're like, stop it. Stop it, Nelson. we got to bring him out now. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. Bring him to back now. And he's just he's challenging them to an extra 10, extra 15, extra 20. So it's like he's almost losing his mind in a way, where he's just obsessed with his experiment and becoming more of a Frankenstein character, which I did appreciate. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed definitely the downward spiral of where you know it starts off as you know he's controlled, you know he, he knows what he wants to do with the experiment, but he wants to keep pushing it further and further, and he's losing a grasp of what the original project was supposed to be. Instead yeah. of just you know tapping into death, he just wants to keep going further and further into death. And with, with the the ending of the film, do you think that they actually publish this? <laughs> do you think they actually go public with this? That they because uh, they don't really talk about it. They just it's, the whole movie is about them doing it. But do you think at the end of the day that they go back and they're like, we did it, so let's get our names in the papers and all the medical journals. Let's get on the Donahue, talk about well, the, our new death experiences. Well, because we also did have the moments where at the very end, Platt was still trying to record everything, and then they oh, were yeah. kind of shooing him away. You know, so. You know, Dude, they were the I worst know, fucking man. camera people on the face of this planet, man. Fucking, he would pick yeah. up the camera, hold the camera, film something, zoom in and out, then he'd put it down to, like, look at something else, not even keeping everything in freaking in camera range, and then he'd pick it up again, and then he's like, ooh, maybe I'll film a sex scene or something, and then he'd be filming them killing themselves again. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you publish something like this afterwards, because it breaks so many rules and medical laws that I don't know if they would have to, if they, if they want to or not. Uh, I think it might discredit them as doctors. So I'm sure that they uh, learned from this kind of stuff. Right. Because you would wonder if they were afraid to release their findings because they'd be labeled as frauds or just insane doctors. Like there's no proof behind this. Like you can't justify any of your findings. Like Dr. Mengele, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the guy did a lot of fucked up things, but, you know, at the same time, too, those, those very things did advance, you know, medical knowledge of stuff, you know? I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that the uh, that the Nazis and the Japanese did that found its way into into medical hands in American society that are, are currently still being employed. I'd have to imagine so. I mean, not to dis- not to give credit to those fucking monsters, like especially in Unit, you know, three fifty seven. You know, any of those people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, they were they were advancing things and and trying to create twins and doing all these other monstrous things. 
Um, but yeah, I, I neglected to say that they're the remake in 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, but yeah, there was a remake of 2017, The Flatliners, uh, with Ellen Page. Um, Kiefer Sutherland returned for the movie, but he played a different character. Originally, he was supposed to play Nelson Wright. He was supposed to re- reprise his role. But they ended up changing his character name to another doctor that's in this medical school. And they're cheekily saying, well, that's him changing his identity because of what happened in 1990. That he wanted to distance himself from those experiments, so he changed his name. Like, no, it's just a different character. <laughs> you don't have to make it so yeah. that he changed his name because of his experiments. Well, uh, it's just a different character. Yeah. Yeah, if they were mm-hmm. to do it, just do it and put it. If they're going to do it, just do it and put it in the movie, you know. But yeah, they didn't. They did. Um, they may want so to distance themselves from it too. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> they did. Um, it's not a very good movie. I actually watched it not that long ago, and I mean, you could say what you want about Flatliners 1990, the 2017 movie. It was just, yeah, it was a mess. Um, but uh, I believe it is your pick next week, uh, Google. Do you have a pick for us? You know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say, like, I've spent a good portion of this episode, like, flipping through different things, and I've got, like, a couple (laughs) of ideas, but I don't have anything concrete at the moment. I will have it up on Instagram, and I'll deliver it over to the the group chat, this way you and and the doc can... can find or, or figure it out. I mean, you know, it'll be something that you guys can find, that's for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. Uh, but, yeah, Monkey, this is your season finale. Uh, you'll be yeah. back with us in another month. Yep, I'm taking a small break. I'm small break, that's, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, yeah, but I'm Three your sexy little Simeon. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to rehab. Going, <laughs> uh, going yeah, back I'm to gonna the rehabilitation be, clinic. Yeah, I'm going to be there. Uh, Nurse Johnson said i got to be there for a month or so. But either way. Remember, Monkey, the I'm first ba- step is admitting that you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been there. Yeah, my problem involves a lot of ghoul glide. But anyway, thank you for listening and audience and let me come in your porn addiction, man. <laughs> Poor bastards. <laughs> who, who doesn't have a porn addiction? But if you want to get That's your girl to I'm watch saying. porn with you, right. if you want to get your girl, if you want to get your girl to watch porn with you and maybe let her, let her let you film it, what should you do, ghoul? Chloroform. Lots of it. Yep. <laughs> um, but if you can't get your hands on that, then what you should do is go over to Etsy and put in Bonfire Bead Designs, all one word. There are all kinds of excellent, excellent styles of jewelry on there, all handcrafted. You're talking about gemstone jewelry, Swarovski crystals. I think I might have actually said that word right for the first time in my life. Wow. Um, yeah, right? Look at that. I said that all in one shot. I'm not even going to try it again because I'm going to butcher it this time around. But there's bracelets, <laughs> necklaces, pendants. Uh, there's rings on there. There's all kinds of stuff, man. It's all beautiful jewelry, all handcrafted, hard work. They love the show. They sponsor the show. You know, I sleep with her. Um, you know, I, get some, I, get some, I get some benefits, man. You know, it's the booty thing. Um but yeah, listen, if you you know, you if you really do you want to order something, go right on ahead. Put in the header cock and pussy. I dare you. I dare you to do that because you know what? You are gonna get yourself one hell of a picture. You're gonna get the ghoul's cock. 
cock, and I've been working out, okay? And maybe my belly will show it, but my arms look good, and, you know, my head's got a big wound in it now, but my dick still works great, and I'm going to show you my cock, okay? And I'm going to show you the wettest, juiciest pussy you've ever seen. It's a little hairy, but it is sweet. Um, But, yeah, put a cock and pussy, order some jewelry, and you're good to go. Bonfire Beat Designs, all one word, on Etsy. And you will find us at the... uh, NJ Horicon sponsored vendor thing coming up in Pennsylvania in two weeks from now as well. So if you're going to come out to that, I will have more information for that next week. All right. So we'll look forward to that next week. You're doing your cock push ups. So I can't wait to see them mm-hmm. strong pictures that you got. You put in that uh, so promo strong. code cock pussy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so next we meet, we're going to have a mystery pick by the Ooh, fruits and vegetables. Uh, I just wanted to say, yeah. A quick thank you to some of the people that uh, really I've been talking to throughout the week, like Dustin from Horror and Sons, like Todd, one of our biggest fans, and Darling and Nikki, who is a new fan of the show. Darling and Nikki, you have such great commentary, and I love hearing your thoughts on each of our picks. But we'll see you next time. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Stay scared. <laughs>